previously when I was reading literature the way we think about hookups is that it's meaningless it's a one-off thing you know like it was nothing I was just a horn dog that night and we fucked and like you know we moved on we think of hookups like that but hookups are changing in that Gen Z does not think hookups are meaningless Welcome to The X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. I'm Claire. And I'm Janice. We are breakup coaches, here to help you beat your breakup, heal your broken heart, and move on to an amazing, abundant life. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. We're so excited to share an interview with you guys. Yeah, it's been been a a while. while. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's been a while since we've interviewed anyone and who better to start with than or restart with (laughs) than Aditi. Yeah, let's talk about sex. I think we came in strong with our first guest interview in a while with this topic and this guest. Yeah, so Aditi Paul, PhD, is a dating and relationships researcher and professor based in New York City. We love New York. Mm -hmm. She uses her dual background in technology and relationship science to examine how dating apps are transforming people's personal and sex lives. Her research on online dating has been published in top academic journals and has been widely cited in leading media outlets, including NBC News, Newsweek, Cosmopolitan, Business Insider, and Psychology Today. Oh, Aditi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we talk a lot about hookup culture, Gen mm-hmm. Z hookup culture predominantly. Um, her recent book, The Current Collegiate Hookup Culture, is all about her research in that yeah, area. Yeah, she knows, she knows a lot about how, um, you know, this generation is getting it on. So it was a very, oh. it was a great conversation. Yeah, and she's, you guys are going to love her. She's so fun and just like talks about these things in such a kind of like relaxed, but very, uh, very well-informed way. And I think it's a really, really engaging interview. What was your favorite part, Janice? I like that more people are getting more and more comfortable being very open and candid about sex. So that was great. I think some of my favorite takeaways or not takeaways really, but my favorite um, moments of the interview were first of all, talking about college students and sugaring. I thought yeah. that that was great. I thought that that, that information is just fascinating. And yeah. Interesting. Not the waxing alternative, by the way, right? The, Thank you. the like sugar dating, like sugar yes. babies, sugar transactional daddy. relationships. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what I thought was hilarious is that you and Aditi, um, you educated me on a part yes. of Mormon culture that I had no idea about, or an alleged part of Mormon an culture alleged, yeah. that I had <laughs> that I had no idea about before, and that is soaking, um, which we <laughs> talk about. And um, you know, I actually turned around and did a little research on yeah. the topic, and um, you know, thought it was hilarious and kind of sad, and yeah. also. Um, I've, I've been, really been humored by lots of the kind of urban myths or ur- urban legend, yeah. legends surrounding how, um, 
non-married Mormon college students conduct themselves. And um, this is a this is up there with the you know many rumors that I've heard over the years about yeah. how they're getting around some of the you know purity regulations. Yes. So, so you know we. Uh, I guess this would be a great time to call for anyone who is actually done soaking. You don't know someone who says they've done it. Right. Like, right. Because that's um, when Janice researched it mm-hmm. afterwards, that was kind of the conclusion is like, it's always a friend or a friend of a friend. Like, no one's actually like right. seen this or done this. Everyone's um, always heard. Like, everyone's doing this but they haven't you know Mm -hmm. so if you want to um like confirm that this is actually happening because (laughs) you've done it um please please. let us know just for our own personal curiosity i think well (laughs) heck if you want to share your experience on the show i'm open to that come on Um, the show (laughs) (laughs) and then i guess i would probably say i'd prefer to hear from actual mormons who have done it um if you want to try it and you're not mormon you can but (laughs) yeah i think that's the that's what really counts is (laughs) (laughs) i love that you two were the ones who told me about it and yeah I thought it was a great a great conversation I was glad to glad to have her on and glad to share this this information I love when we do sexy topics on x-files yes yes so with that let's dive in welcome Aditi to the show thank you so much Janice and Claire I'm so excited to to be here and and talk to you about breakups and messy sex and Ooh, yeah. and Gen Z and everything in between. Oh my <laughs> We're gosh. excited for this chat as well. It's definitely going to be juicy. We've got some um, very scrumptious questions for you and we've been looking forward to this chat. So well, let's do thanks it. Thanks for being here. Of course. All right, well, um, we when we have the opportunity, we like to ask our guests do you have a breakup story, a, bre- a significant breakup from your past, maybe something that had some type of bearing on where you are today? Uh, we'd love to hear about that before we dive into talking about your work. Oh my gosh, we're starting off strong. I thought like, <laughs> we were going to like cut into and like weave this story in with the research, but like, nope, like let's start with breakups. <laughs> no. Great. Like this, it can only go up from here. So I'm, I'm game exactly. for it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I can, I can talk about one breakup that happened when I moved to New York City. Um, and this was like way back in 2015. And uh, my pride didn't let me say this uh, before because, you know, feminism, the 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 form of feminism that we work with uh and this is spoken about in this book called tomorrow sex will be good again by the way fantastic read and the author says you know feminism is so confusing because on one hand it wants you to be very confident like you 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 have to portray yourself as like you're unhurtable but what do you do when you're hurting like you know let's give us give ourselves permission to hurt and then heal um so for the longest time i tried to trivialize the um effect that that breakup had on me because you know it was a micro relationship it was not that big at all Mm -hmm. but uh it was the first time that i moved to a big city by myself and i had told myself that this is a relationship that i'm in instead of like considering it as a as a fling but Mm -hmm. um later on i realized that if i had not thought about this relationship as 
a relationship but just as a glorious hookup then it would have sucked a lot less <laughs> um it's just the the idea that i didn't even know i had this agency to have a relationship that didn't have to be very conclusive that this person didn't have to check off all the boxes that he fit the time right like he fit yeah, yeah. uh the companionship that i needed at the time instead of trying to change this person or or trying to um you know edit my idea of what a relationship should be to have seen it as it is as a good hookup for now yeah. uh, and if he doesn't match the the list then we're friends like you know that's it just let's just be friends instead of like making this up into a huge drama that like oh my god you were not this person you're not this 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 i mean those drama was not required so if only i had done my research on hookups back then <laughs> i wouldn't have yeah that kind of break i really like that you're saying this i have a friend who has a lover and every time they get together she you know tells me how great it is but you know always mentions you know oh maybe it'll become more you know like maybe someday and the last time they got together, I said, I really, what I want for you is for you to just love and appreciate this for yeah. what it is. Yeah. Just see and, it for what it is. That's mm -hmm. it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And if it serves you good, if it doesn't move on, that's it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love is it. Is that juicy enough? <laughs> oh, is it what? Is that juicy enough? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we're going to get continue to get into juicy stuff and, um, you know, feel free to continue to weave this in as we go along. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure you will, because I'm like seeing things that I have um, seen in your research. Um, I'm I'm recognizing some of the topics that you've you've talked about in your research. So I know that we're probably going to circle back around for some of these things. But um, you said at the time you hadn't done the research that you had now. So is this how you got into this line of work? Like. How did you get from moving to New York? Did you move for for your PhD or? No, I moved to the United States for my PhD back in 2010-11. And then I moved to New York uh, because I got a job in the city as an assistant professor. And um, the, going back to like how my interest got started, I've always like led from question to question. It's like my, my research is like a Marvel universe, if you think about it. Like, you know, one character leads to the other and leads to the other. And then you have this huge story. So it was it, it, it was that for me. No, I, I wish that was my more mature answer, but it was not. Um, because just like any breakup, uh, your sense of self is rejected to such a core extent. Yeah. You need validation after that. Like you, you want to know if you are desired, if you are pretty, if you're smart, if you're lovable, all of that good stuff. So in in that time of desperation i logged on to twitter oh, sorry tinder twitter can you imagine um i'm sure it happens any, any app is a dating app is try hard enough so like uh, i'm sure there's some ten or some twitter hookups out there yeah i mean there's definitely some guys on instagram like yeah my students did say that they met this person on instagram um anywho so i i, I jumped onto tinder and uh i may have delved into the hookup culture my myself and I realized that I cannot be the only one and then I saw watched insecure 
and Issa Rae, I don't know if you watch Insecure, if you don't, please watch. It's amazing. It's just uh, the way they navigate the complexities and the beauties of female friendship and, and, and black female friendship. It's just amazing. It's so oh, universal. Okay. Like I am Indian. I, I'm not black. I'm not American. Um, but the way the show resonated with me, it was just chef's kiss. So um, Issa Rae had a breakup, long-standing boyfriend, right? And she goes on <laughs> Tinder and she has what she calls a hotation. And people apparently do that. So I'm like, okay, um, let's see if Gen Z is also doing this. What does it mean? Like a hoe vacation? Oh, a hovation. A hovation. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I'm just guessing. I yeah. think I've heard gotcha. I've, I've heard this show talked about before. And it was like some people thought it was controversial because she was very much like out on the town, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 like, you mean embracing your female sexuality, <laughs> just saying it out loud, even without exploring yeah. it can be controversy. Like, um, mm -hmm. I mean, we have bigger things to worry about. So let's just, let's women, let women be women. Let, let yeah. them do their rotation, let them do their trampage. Uh, it's not <laughs> affecting your 401k. So like we can, we can relax. Um, <laughs> I love this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that led me into um, in an, uh, understanding this. What is a hookup? And what got me really interested in it is when I saw scholars talk about it, because one of the big things that you'll see in Tinder research uh, in, in, in the social sciences is that Tinder is a hookup app and Tinder is destroying commitment. Mm -hmm. And the more I asked my students, like, is that true? Like, first of all, you tell me what is a hookup because I am senile. I don't know. Um, and then they explained how what a hookup is and that Tinder has just gained the reputation of being a hookup app rather than them hooking up there. So it's not a bunch of horny young adults just looking for sex. It's not. Um, they're looking to entertain themselves. And if something comes off it, because sometimes having sex is easier than having a relationship, that's what they're doing. That's how hookup a Tinder has gained its name as, as a hookup app. Well, I know I can think of three couples right off the top of my head who are married, who met on Tinder. Yeah. So I guess you're, yeah, what, what you're saying is true. At least some people are ending up in marriages. Yeah. Um, so now you do research. You have done extensive research with Gen Z, hookup culture, sex lives, all of that. How do these conversations about sex normally go with students? Are you finding that um, people are more open than you thought? Um, you know, what, what is this like? It's also biased. Let me tell you that <laughs> I, I do want to acknowledge. Um, I mean, every researcher has to acknowledge their bias. So when it's easier for me as a female that to a petite female who is on the younger side of the spectrum to bring up the conversation about sex with my students rather than, you know, can you imagine being a 75 year old white man being like, so kids, what are you doing with your penises and your vagina? <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's not a play. So I, I would bring like some of the pop culture things that I see like you know on Cosmopolitan on um, you know all the BuzzFeed and then they're talking about Gen Z and and I would bring that back to my students and I'm like is this what's happening are you really commitment phobic 
um, and I and I see the conversation around sexuality where you want to you're navigating sexuality and and gen the the concept of gender in ways I have never even thought about. Like yesterday, I was at a workshop led by younger Gen Z kids, uh, and I shouldn't call them kids, young adults. Um, <laughs> You were talking about words that I have never heard of, Claire, where they were like mm -hmm. two spirit, gender queer. And I'm like, what? So what is the difference between gender queer and gender non-binary? You know, so like what, what yeah. is the difference? So there are so many nuances that they are navigating about their sexuality, about their gender. It makes you think, well, you're not thinking about this in a vacuum. Like you must have had experiences. You must have seen something or done something that you didn't like. And that made you question about your sexuality. So we deduce that they're highly sexual, but turns out that their sexual needs are second to their identity needs. So Gen mm -hmm. Z is more about who I am and how does that choice affect my sexual choices? How does that affect my partner choices? So in the way I think about it is they are being sexual without having sex. Ooh, Got it. Yeah, that's sure. so interesting, especially because I think I, I have a question on here about like, what are maybe some misconceptions from older generations or like if you were com to compare Gen Z to previous generations and it's sounding like, you know, maybe previous generations were looking to, you know, uh, have the white picket fence, like standard uh, marriage, two and a half kids, whatever. And um I'd really like and, two and a half kid. Yeah, <laughs> two and a half kids. Um, yeah, half I've kid also heard nice. that mo that even millennials were having less sex than the generation previous. Like, uh, it's actually going down. Um, do, have you found that that's that's true for Gen X individuals? Before I, before I answer that, I want to ask you, like, because whenever we ask these questions, uh, we're coming from a point of that we believe it in some level, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we do believe um, that, yeah, Gen Z might be having less sex. So I'm curious to know, like, what what reasons do you think if they are having less sex, what could be those reasons? I would just say I think there's more awareness from what I've read. Um, there's more awareness about STDs is what I've is what I've read. Yeah, they're So you're saying that they're so scared about STIs that they're not even going there. Well, that's what I've read. I feel okay. like I've read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, be aware. So they might have like had. Um, they might be having safe sex, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it, you're right in that that they do have anxiety um, in in explore in in elevating or escalating sexual behaviors, and research shows that. But one interesting thing that I found out. Um, through my research is the role that anxiety plays in and how that interferes your sexual behavior. So the higher your dating anxiety, that you don't know how to navigate the situation, you get nervous when a person of the opposite sex or of the same sex is attracted to you, like, what do I do? Uh, how do I not get canceled? So you're so anxious about navigating that social interaction that mm -hmm. impedes escalating that social interaction into a sexual interaction. Mm -hmm. So Gen Z is very, <laughs> they're, they're anxious people.
I also think we're starting to talk more about, you know, emotions and emotional consequences mm -hmm. of having sex um, than maybe we were previous. And I think that maybe people are more aware of the fact that um, they could get emotionally involved and not really know how to deal with that, or they want to maybe avoid going there um, because of, you know, the more um, emotional consequences of it. Yeah, yeah. And um Previously, when I was reading literature, the way we think about hookups is that it's meaningless. It's a one-off thing, you know, like it was nothing. I was just a horn dog that night and we fucked and like, you know, we moved on. We think of hookups like that, but hookups are changing in that Gen Z does not think hookups are meaningless and they don't think that they need to emotionally detach themselves from this person. So some of the questions that I asked them, uh, about their hookups was um, how many times oh, let's start with did you know this person and they said only 37 percent of students said that they hooked up with somebody who was a complete stranger mm -hmm. the other people were were connected to their hookup partners in their offline worlds on social media they sexted their hookup partners the frequency of communication was really high um, and then I told them that, uh, well, you had you had this hookup with this person. Were you romantically interested uh, or did you want to hook up with them again? Majority of students said yes. And then previously we thought that, oh, they have a romantic interest, but like they, they want to detach from that. And so they move on. They never talk to this person. So I asked them again, um, well, what's your mo mode of communication with your last hookup partner? 47% still in touch with their hookup partners. Mm -hmm. So they're not ghosting them. They're not being ghosted. It's it's just floating, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. It's just is. It's like that, uh, that uh, like, you know, Shein clothing that you bought, which looked cute the one time you wore it, but then you don't want to like let go of it because if you let go of it, you're looking at an empty wardrobe. Like I'd rather have something than look into this abyss of emptiness. Got it. So like tying it back to, because I thought it was really empowering what you had said where Gen Z are starting to make um, sexual choices and relationship choices based more on identity rather than like this person is here and they're hot and we just did this. Like, is do you think people are keeping, um, are like having, I guess, you know, emotional connection with their hookups, but they're not willing to take it to the next level because of that identity piece. They're like, you don't fit into my life plan, even though I like you, I enjoy being around you. That's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, like, I, I, I should say that there are so many things that are changing that are shifting uh, in, in Gen Z, but there's so many things that have not. Uh, we'll talk about the knots later, but let's talk about like what has been changing in terms of men um, and their relationship with emotional intimacy. So I asked a bunch of variables to these, uh, you know, students, like 318 of them, and I think 142 were men. Um, and I crunched up the number because I wanted to know how did they derive sexual satisfaction from their last hookup? Contrary to what we think, one of the main drivers of male sexual pleasure was emotional intimacy. Can you believe that? Like wow. men seem to enjoy their hookups more when they felt closer or intimate with their partners. 
Also, horn dog nature is there because the only reason why they regretted the hookup was when they were not sexually attracted to this person. So in that way, you know, our relationship <laughs> with um, being emotionally invested in this person, saying that, yo, like, I like you, right? I mean, you're a good person. Um, you're, you're fun to hang out with. I, I think have warm feelings toward you. And yeah. that contributes to the quality of your hookup in terms of sexual satisfaction. So like that's shifting. Now in terms of what you said that, are they not having that conversation? Do they want, not want to escalate it? I want to take us back to the fact that as a generation, we've also become very non-confrontational where we don't want to say what we really want to say um, because there's so many social sanctions that we're thinking about like is this person going to like reject me and we are also become very rejection averse that we're always looking for somebody to double tap on us all the damn time right like yeah. it's so how invalidating is it to let yourself bear in front of somebody when this generation has grown up on validation electronic validation, parental validation, scholastic validation, to put yourself in that vulnerable position, that too, when you're so young, right? 18 to 24, yeah. formative years, you're talking about really young kids. Um, those are so many factors that could keep them from escalating, which may not always be indicative of the fact that they're just relationship averse. They're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th it, that is, that's fascinating because, you know, on some level, we'll, I, it feels like we're getting more comfortable with communication in, um, in today's society, but at the same time, you're right. Um, we also want to avoid certain types um, a lot. I mean, <laughs> myself included. Um, so one of the questions that um, Claire and I get most when we're doing live coaching or through DMs is recovering from a breakup when you have mutual friends in common with your ex. So it really stood out to me that you said that 75% of Gen Z participants had mutual friends with the people they hooked up with. Yeah. My mind was kind of blown because we're, we hear from people all the time how much misery this causes them. So I wanted to ask you, um, do you discover that this causes angst for people who are hooking up? I mean, this is, you're basically saying they're hooking up with people in their social circle, right? Yeah. So it's, it might be like, you know, their friend and their brother that they met or, uh, you know, uh, uh, they've, they've gone to college and they've gone back and it's a high school friend that they met at a party. Um, I haven't measured angst. Uh, and they really don't consider this as a breakup because it's still in the hookup category. So like, you don't, you don't think yeah, it's yeah. a breakup breakup. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't take away from the fact that it does suck. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Like we help people who were never official, you know, and we yeah. use those in that terms, way, X, you know, um, uh, online breakups suck less because out of the people who 75% uh, of the students who said that they had a uh, mutual friends, they're mostly from contexts where they met their hookup partners through parties, through school, through work. For people who met their hookup partners through online dating apps, only 27% of them had mutual friends. So like, it's almost easier. So there's this one student in my class, like this coming back to like what um, Janice was talking about. I get so nerdy talking about all of these things. Like, look at this. Nerd comment. up. Uh, we love it. <laughs> um, so I, I asked this uh, girl that like, you know, I mean, is it is it, would you rather hook up with somebody who is through your mutual friends or would you hook up with somebody online? And why is that? 
So she said that, you know, if, if, if you want to keep things casual, uh, I would rather do online because if something doesn't work out with that friend of friend of a friend that I hooked up with, then my relationship with my friend will get tainted and I don't want to lose out on that friend. Mm -hmm. So how important is friendship for Gen Z, right? I mean, where they really want to hold on to those strong ties um, and not let that go because of these weak one-off ties that that might just ruin that already existing friendship. So they're almost looking at online dating as a uh, as a test run or as, as a trial, as something that is, okay, we're just going to do it because it's not that, it doesn't affect my core group. Uh, so that could also bring that casualness that we associate online dating with. Uh, well, I'm I'm definitely all for that as as well. I've seen it go bad. It's gone bad in my own life when there's um, yeah people in common. So I am excited to talk about the orgasm gap. This is a topic that I love chatting about and learning about. Your research has indicated that twice as many males experienced orgasm than females. I suppose during hookups. Mm -hmm. So is this discrepancy understood? amongst those that you spoke with? And then what is the attitude around uh, achieving orgasm during hookups? So we, oh my gosh, somebody, I, I wish somebody would have told me about orgasms when I started my sexual journey, because I was so upset that like, you know, why was I not orgasming through penetrative sex? Like, but to know yeah. that, you know, that doesn't happen. Right. That's something that Gen Z already knows because the, the conversation and we got to give it up to millennials because we have messed up and we have brought that conversation on. Mm -hmm. And we also go back to the boomers like they did their best to educate us. And we are just, you know, the reason why Gen Z knows is because somebody has gone through that. And yeah. now they're talking about their experience. Experience is just like us telling our younger selves what they should or should not do. Like it's just advice to our yeah. younger selves. Mm. Um, and they are just the benefactors of our mess ups. So, you know, Gen Z, be a little kind to us. Um, <laughs> um, be kind to us. <laughs> so yeah, and, and now they're understanding that, you know what, like orgasm gap exists. And that is indicative of the fact that female pleasure is not a priority. Now, this is where I will start the conversation about Gen Z thinking that they're progressive, but in a lot of ways, they are still sticking to the age old scripts Ooh. where men, when you ask straight men, um, if they have gone down or reciprocated oral sex to their female partners. And if you ask female partners, if their male partners have reciprocated, 19% of women said that their partners reciprocated versus 44% of men said that their partners reciprocated. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> men are not going down on women as much as women are going down on men. And one of the significant predictors of female sexual orgasm is oral sex. So if you're not getting oral sex, then how the heck are you going to orgasm? Yeah. And it's interesting because like, we think that Gen Z is progressive, but when I crunched up the numbers, like there's a scale that I give them to measure their sexual permissiveness. And one of the items in that scale was uh, disgusted by oral sex. The highest in disgust level toward oral sex, straight men and women. Whew, I wasn't expecting that. 
Wow. And I'm like, huh. what is, are we all gay then? Like, what are we doing? Like, is, are you, you are aversive to go down on her. She has her reservations against going down on you. Props wow. to women. They are fighting through that. Uh, <laughs> What's new? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know what to think about that. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, men, men need to, men need to step it up and women yeah. need to come to a position where they're asserting because straight women in terms of being sexually permissive, straight women are the most conservative in the way they watch porn and the way they masturbate. Nobody is, nobody's policing our masturbation. So why are we not masturbating more? Well, I was actually going to ask you if that was part of your research. Was yeah, masturbation. so I asked, I asked them, how frequently do you masturbate? How frequently do you watch porn? Um, you know, how many hookup partners have you had? How many sexual partners have you had? The thing is, like, it's it's easy, right? It's easy for straight men, straight women to say, straight men, you're at fault, right? I mean, you're not giving me an orgasm, etc. But who is stopping us from self-exploration? Yeah. Like, why are we not doing that more? And And to not blame ourselves, but to throw it back to society to normalize female sexual exploration, to not see it as like, oh, I'm being sexual. It's self-discovery. Like, let's do it. Because if we don't know ourselves, how are we going to assert what we want? So let's start there. Let's masturbate more. We're yeah. big fans on this show. Yeah, so. big yeah. fans. I mean, I I am a millennial. <laughs> and, uh, like, I didn't know how to get myself there until I was 26. Mm-hmm. Because I'd never really tried. Um, Listen, and... I didn't even know where there was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like on uh, like BuzzFeed, like, what is an orgasm? How do I know if I've had one? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think back, I'm like, man, all the boyfriends that I did not train right, like, <laughs> you know, and now they're off in the world. And other women are having to do that work of oh <laughs> training oh them. Yeah, well, you know. now, you know, now, now you know. I know. Um, but you know, this is like, I've clearly loved talking about this stuff that's didn't just like happen in the past couple of years. And yet, like, even with, you know, the mental energy I was putting towards relationships and like all of these sort of things, I still was like, I don't know if I've ever had one. And, you know, like I do these things for him and don't really expect much in return, yeah. you know? So yeah. How does the... Do you know what the statistics are for um, previous generations? Like, I know that like the Gen Z stats seem pretty bad for like reciprocity, but is it at least an improvement maybe? You know, I haven't, I haven't done generational analysis. Uh Uh-huh. It might get better. Um, (laughs) I, I will tell you this, I will tell you this, the LGBT community raising the bar raising the (laughs) bar like it's become an invested decision to be straight as a female right at this point i'm like "Mm, i I need to commit to the fact that i still like men because lesbian women 80 percent of the time they're orgasming they're reciprocating oral sex yeah Um, but they're also most likely to not practice safe sex and and Mm -hmm. i was having a conversation Mm -hmm. with a sexologist the other day i'm like how do lesbian women even practice safe sex and it's through dental dams mm-hmm. but we don't talk about that yeah right? so the entire conversation is about like condoms and like contraceptives um we also need to bring into the fore the conversation about same sex um uh, protection especially female same sex protection because if you're going down on somebody 
um, you're also increasing your chances of STIs. So we need to we need yeah. to prioritize um, female sexual pleasure. Isn't it funny? Like when you think retrospectively, like how less we think about female sexual pleasure to the point of we don't even talk about the protection. Yeah, that's I mean, that actually now that you're saying that, I don't think I've ever really had a conversation about like female same sex sexual health and protection and that is so interesting yeah we clearly need to talk about this more yeah i would encourage you to google dental dam it's oh i know about it i think that um i also i think depictions in media like there's more and more depictions of condom use which is great you know you'll see it in tv and on the movies um but now we just got to throw some dental dams in there as well that's right that's right yeah when you're getting ready you're you're propositioning people i guess um we mentioned sexting earlier like is is it something that happens kind of before you get physical with someone or is it something that happens more after you're already kind of uh having your non-relationship like they sext uh and they use snapchat a lot so there's a lot of snapchatting happening so there's this one girl who said uh didn't even know this kid uh but he snapchatted me we hooked up it we we and i was drunk uh it was fun or something of that sort like and, and 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 a lot of people said that they text they they sext they snapchat so there is they don't go from a zero to a hundred and that is also another reason why i think gen z consensual sex could move in the positive direction because because of electronic communication where you can feel the vibe right like if this person is being a tease or if this person um is is being suggestive through their words or their photos like you can feel it there's there's that aspect of verbal and nonverbal communication working together to suggest to this person to signal this person that i want something sexual with you so Mm -hmm. the chances of like complete non-consensual sex goes down but what becomes problematic is within the sexual encounter when you are trying to push boundaries so like you signed up for making out but now he wants to or she wants to escalate it are you having a conversation at that time so that that becomes tricky are people talking about protection and safe sex ahead of time more on Mm. on by texting or through you know other types of digital communication they're doing safe sex if that makes uh it it, if that helps uh 70 percent of men and women uh in heterosexual relationships used a contraceptive and a condom so the the awareness is really really high um for example like uh, i asked this 19 year old male to talk about consent uh, and i asked him how would you define sexual consent and mind you this is a 19 year old straight male so he says both verbal consent that's not only said one time at any moment someone could say stop both parties acknowledge what's happening and that it's mutual the whole time and then i asked him how do you think people ask for sexual consent asking directly can we xyz no response is not consent asking the question and receiving yes is consent like think about that a 19 year old straight male having such a nuanced understanding of what is consent now here's the kicker though (laughs) 
<laughs> they have a very black and white understanding of how to ask for consent yeah. right like they it, it's it's like okay i consent to this uh the, i mean <laughs> that doesn't work like that you know yeah. it's a tangle like it's it's you have to you have to be non-verbally competent you have to um ask for consent when you're doing high stake activities versus low stakes so i.e you were talking about condom use mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a part of consent but it's not the textbook definition of consent um yeah. so that becomes a little tricky for them yeah like i guess the uh, ways to uh, to ask for consent that aren't like, do I have your consent to do this? It could be like, do you want me to insert the blank? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, then it can be kind of like a sexy, you know, you're, you're, it's almost like sex talk, like yeah. dirty yeah. talk. Um, but yeah. you can, it's establishing consent, I guess. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's the part that I guess Gen Z doesn't have is down yet. They're just like, do yeah, I have your consent? Uh, yeah, and like, as opposed to how to kind of make it part of the foreplay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, and also like, you know, let's cut them some, it's not Gen Z, it's 18 yeah. year olds, you know, like think about our awkwardness <laughs> at 18. Like it's, it's easier to have sex than talk about sex, right? Like, let me just do this. And that's one of the things that uh, kids want to get better at. They're like, I want to know, I want to know how to escalate it because I want to escalate it, not because I just ran out of options, right? Like going through the playbook of like, oh, now we have kissed, now we're going to neck, and now we're going to like, you know, have sex. And like, then we are going to have a cigarette like the movies show. So like, it, they don't want to do that. They want to, they want to know like, okay, yo, like, how do I navigate this? Like after kissing and after having oral sex, what if I want to go back to kissing? Like, can we do that? Or is it just a linear path? Um, so like being comfortable in your body, understanding what the other person needs, what you like, what you don't like more than ascribing it to generations, it's age. We are so much more comfortable. It was not a millennial thing. It's not a Gen Z thing. It's a age thing. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for that clarification. It makes so much sense. But yeah, when I was 18, it was. It's a hot mess. Talk about anything. Um, <laughs> I didn't get comfortable asking about condom usage until, yeah, and until well into my twenties, probably even closer to thirties. It, it's just yeah. uncomfortable, but yeah, not anymore. Well, uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think people in their twenties need to know about dating, safe sex, the apps? You know what? I I really I really would encourage them to know what they don't want and get yeah. to a point where they now know what they do want through that act of negation because now we have that room now we have that space now we have that medical safety we have the social safety to really explore what you don't want and that can only come through experience so mm -hmm. And I see this trend among Gen Z where being in a relationship is in vogue, not dissing on relationships at all, but because they're looking for safe spaces and they find a safe space within a person, they make that an entire personality mm. versus having that self-worth or having that centeredness of saying that this person is in my journey we're going to figure this together. 
we're going to serve each other's purpose. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. We just learned a new thing that we don't want or another non-negotiable. Instead of like latching on to this person and like making a relationship goals, Insta stories, do that. But like, that's not, that's not you, you, you know what I'm saying? That's you within mm. that relationship. So give yourself that room to explore and in a way which is respectful of that person, but it's also respectful of yourself. Um, and if it fails, it's just another thing that you learned about yourself, which is a non-negotiable. Yes. We're about that. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, cheering for that over here for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's great. Um, part of your research, um, it has been around apps. What I can tell you is like, you know, they, they use more Tinder than they do Bumble. So like that's Tinder is like still the number one. Uh, and a lot more people use apps and a lot less people say that they met their hookup partner through apps. So even if they're on apps, they're not meeting their hookup partners through apps. It's still it's still face to face reign supreme. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's what I've heard, especially from my male friends who are predominantly millennials right now. But, um, you know, they're like, yeah, the apps didn't really work for me. Yeah. I'm much better in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there like a different, have you seen that difference? Cause that's something we hear a lot where it's like straight men have no less success on the apps maybe than straight women. I know you did a lot of research for, um, for people in same sex partnerships mm -hmm. as well. And yeah. that's more successful for them. Yeah, they, they resort to using dating apps. So out of out of 318 students, 25% said that they use dating apps to find their hookup partners. And within those 25%, 60% were LGBT people, LGBT okay. individuals. So dating apps are very, very high among LGBT students. And like, it, it makes sense because the online space has always been an LGBT space, right? I mean, you can take it back to the the inception of the internet mm -hmm. where chat rooms and men having sex with men, these were all, they were all there. They've just found out a new area. Um, and it's become safer. It's become easier for, um, gay men and lesbian women and bisexual and on, everybody on the sexual spectrum, because there are uh, filters that you can use. Yeah. LGBT students do use apps. So there's this one uh, account that I have of a student who said, oh, I met this person on Grindr. We were in the neighborhood. Then we decided to hook up. I went home and I grabbed everything, lube, condoms, etc. And then I took an Uber to his place. So nice. like it's, <laughs> it's just just I'm here for it. And like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, 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 and in that way, you know, the LGBT community is really better equipped to navigate this land because their, yeah. uh, their uh, expectations are clearer. Um, you know, it's, it's more normal and, and they also don't have that, oh, is online better than offline? Chances are we got to make shit work online, right? Like, because <laughs> offline world is slim pickings like it's not it's not working out for us so like you got to make it work and um to that way you know like when you talk about like oh are online dating apps better like and people are giving up on online dating it's not going to work the first time you're probably going to have to delete that app multiple times you're gonna you're probably going to have to like make your profile on multiple platforms mm. you're going to give up you're going to come back frustrated you're going to give up again and then one day it's going to 
it's going to strike gold. That's yeah. just how life works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we love talking about dating app mindset and um, how, how to make it work. And yes, Ooh, certainly that. that's dating it. Dating app mindset. Tell yeah, me about it's that. one of our favorite topics. Oh, my gosh. I want to know more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you pretty much summed it up. Like one of our biggest points on dating app mindset is that you're not going to click with most of the people you meet. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, you shouldn't get on there and expect to meet your soulmate in you know one week of yep. bumble premium or people something. think that it <laughs> makes it easier to meet someone and match with someone because there's so many people there that you're connecting with instantly and so we have noticed that people get discouraged really early on and yeah. so part of the dating app mindset is accepting that it takes it takes time and it takes meeting mm -hmm. lots of people that you won't connect with and you know it takes energy and experimentation and effort and you know being okay with that is a big part of it yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love that. I love that because it's it's something that I, I keep telling my students and like and my friends as well and myself, too, that we cannot be examining or assessing the effectiveness of lack thereof of dating apps based on traditional dating rules. Like it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah, that's that's so wonderful. I love that. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, you're welcome. We love talking about it. Um, and then, yeah, as far as traditional dating as opposed to apps, for instance, if you meet someone in real life, your first date will be different than if you meet someone on the app who you don't know. Yeah. And also, you know, setting the bar at just a different a different expectation as mm -hmm. uh, you know according to how you meet them. Mm -hmm. um, but. We're not here to talk about our philosophies. <laughs> We're here to no, um, talk about your research. It's, it's 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 tricky out there, and like you know, there's this, such a cool research that uh, have, uh, that came out, which talked about imagined conversations that we have. Like you Ooh. see somebody super attractive, and then like we we tell ourselves this little story. I'm like, oh my gosh, but he's also gonna right swipe, and I'm gonna right swipe, or she or they. Um, and then you think how the imagined interaction would go, only to see that they have not right swiped on you. Um, and then that entire <laughs> story collapses on its head. And this happens multiple times. So like it's 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 emotionally exhausting. Yeah, work. It, it is exhausting work. Yeah. And then we haven't even gotten into the place of like ghosting and breadcrumbing like that's coming up. So we're going through a minefield to to find the one and and it's become much more exhausting, much more challenging to find the one through that and like sifting through the weed. Yeah. Um, so to, to give ourselves that grace that what we are experiencing is not an aberration it's supposed to feel this way we signed up for this mm -hmm. yeah. yeah the moment that you start saying that it sucks maybe it's time for you to <laughs> take yourself out of the pool for a little while just take it out, take it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah i didn't have any questions planned about breadcrumbing or ghosting but is there anything interesting you found about those two things because I think it's usually like these people are demonized it's like oh they ghosted me they're awful like it's become another such side a topic to yeah. yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah it's so, it's so exhausting like you know just to I mean give me a hard yes or a hard no don't just keep me on a limbo like it's it's almost like we're keeping people around. I mean, the way I honestly truly think about uh, dating um, in terms of shopping sometimes, it's like it's fast relationships, like fast fashion, um, mm -hmm. right? Like you go to you go to H&M and you can drop a bunch of money and you'll get like 10 clothings. But if you go to a really good store, you have to pay big dollar for a good piece of clothing. 
and we are resorting to the first mentality right i'd rather have like like five ten percents or a ten ten percents than a one hundred percent um and 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 that's where like breadcrumbing comes mm. in like you know she is my a weekday fix or he is my weekend fix it's just this this usage of people and and trivializing of relationships which it's exhausting we know but like it seems to be the only thing that people are doing and can i tell you something it's a deep deep cut we are lonely human beings we're just so lonely when you when you see these accounts that students say when they're using dating apps they're like i was so lonely that night so i right swiped and this person met so like we are using people as placeholders for our loneliness. Of mm. course, there's <laughs> breadcrumbing. Of course, there's going to be like half-assing everywhere. And it's it's exhausting. It's it's damaging. It's, But we don't know what the option is. Like, is it just abject loneliness or like a little bit of fix tonight? Yeah, how about getting used to, you know, spending time on your own and being more confident and comfortable with that? Yeah. That's, that's what I, you know, always trying to encourage people to do. Yeah. Yeah. Am I making One... this conversation very sad? I feel like I'm making this conversation no. extremely <laughs> no. sad. No. no, you're doing great. It's, you know, we, we, sometimes we end up like giggling through an episode and then we're like, oh my God, we were talking about the most depressing topic. I know. Oh my God. Like, ha. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. But that's the best thing though. Like, you know, Gen Z, I got to give it up to them. Like they've made depression in vogue. They have made sadness yeah. in vogue. They've be made being hot messes in vogue. Like that's why I'm always on TikTok. Um, yeah. Nobody's <laughs> trying well, to be That's how most of us are. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about being authentic, right? totally 100% 100% though I am interested though to find that a lot of people are using it kind of as a band-aid for loneliness because it's a a passion of mine is helping people to overcome that so yeah yeah Janice is the loneliness girl yeah the overcoming loneliness girl the overcoming loneliness Janice is the lonely girl (laughs) I'll I'll talk about my research later I want to know about this I want to know this dating app mentality I want to know like what the loneliness fixes tell me more about that i'll send you some episodes please (laughs) for sure one of the things we haven't really talked about on this show before and that i saw in your research is sugar dating Mm -hmm. like could you explain uh, for anyone who maybe doesn't know what that is but also like how this differs maybe from non-collegiate sugar dating you know for people who are doing this kind of as their profession instead of like a part-time thing to get through Mm -hmm. school like yeah I was interested to see this in your research yeah oh my gosh I I got to know about this research through like a student in my class and uh, she she said that she's the first generation kid uh, and she was like you know she's got that badass bitch energy um, where um, a super confident person and if you go to her Instagram, she's always fronting like a Balenciaga and a Gucci. And then I started reevaluating the choices I made in my life. I'm like, what the heck am I doing as a professor? Like, come on, I want to ball out too. Like, what is this? So, and she was so open about that. She's like, you know what? I am the first generation kid in my family. People are not footing my bill. I need to pay my own expenses. I'm going to do what I can do. And she really used her sexual agency to elevate her 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 standard of living and i'm here for it 
Um, and, and that's how I got to know about sugar dating. That sugar dating is compensated dating where you have sugar babies and sugar mamas um, and sugar daddies. Previously, it only used to skew towards sugar daddies, but now sugar mamas are getting it on too. Yes. Um, and, and a lot of gay college students are sugar babies, um, which is interesting because... Does that work? Could be that, and then this is just this is just me me um, guessing because I I didn't ask them the gender of their sugar date sugar daddy or sugar mama gotcha, so I gotcha. don't know I this is just introspection that um, young men being gay could be sugar daddy sugar babies for older men who could not come out uh, with their sexuality oh. so could be i don't know i don't know this is completely conjecture mm. um but i did see that, that a lot of gay men are sugar sugar um babies so what what happens when you're a sugar baby or sugar daddy is you have something called an agreement quote unquote um mm. where uh you you promise to do something for your sugar daddy or sugar mama and in 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 lieu of that they give you either money or they can give you cat they can either give you cash gifts take you on vacations yacht parties um etc but you are expected to give them something sexual doesn't have to be sex but something sexual so a picture of your feet or a picture of your private something um and and also give them uh, a gfe or a bfe that's what they call it it's called girlfriend experience or boyfriend mm -hmm. experience where you live in this mutual sense of ignorance where like both of you know that this is plastic but like you pretend that this is this is for real um so that's sugar dating wow yeah that's fascinating so i just wouldn't i know what it is i just wouldn't have thought it would be so prevalent among people this young so yeah, yeah i think that's yeah. that's fascinating to you know leverage your sexuality that way um you know yeah. contractual and compensatory Mm -hmm. um, relationships, I think, have a built-in level of consent to them, and so I, I like that as well. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's it's also very tricky because, like, oh my gosh, like I really do hope that they're safe. You know, like that they are respecting their boundaries, because there's such a power differential between yeah. the sugar daddy and and the sugar baby. Because finances, Maybe not, though, I, I I reckon the sugar baby's got a certain level of power in the in the situation. I think yeah, I've got. I've got I think Tell me more about that, like. When you're thinking about power, what are you thinking? I guess who calls the shots? Yeah. 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 And I would well, think that actually the, the sugar baby may be the one calling the shots. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> really. I mean, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Like maybe within the relationship. Yes. But like if you if you're comparing like how much power each person has like out in the world, you know, like they're you know the the person um in your student who you were talking about in your class who was doing this like she had needs that she needed to be met yeah and someone else had the ability to meet those needs but but if they didn't have these needs themselves they wouldn't be getting into these situations yeah i don't know think yeah, about it yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a very it's a it's a i i hope they're 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 being safe 
That's all I, I yeah. think. I hope that there's more um, space to negotiate these types of things yeah. because it is right. Because it is sex choices. work, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. when you're thinking about it, it, this is online sex work or, I mean, like OnlyFans. It's it's not like when things are going okay that we need to question it. It's when things are going awry. Like, you know, yeah. what if you get violated? Do you then have the means to get justice? Or will somebody say that, oh, but like, you agreed to this, right? Like, in it's an the same in non-contractual agreements, though. That's well. right. Right. So, like, you know, in that way, I hope they're using their power to be like, mm, yeah. I can, I can use this too. So, yeah. um, the more we, the more we talk about it, the better the awareness gets. So, mm-hmm. I hope this research helps bring this into the fore that kids are doing this, mm-hmm. and and we need to figure out new rules how to navigate it. In a regular relationship, there is you know, expectations of needs being met one way or another, especially if you're maybe like more of a um, conservative, traditional minded person, you're like, you're going to pay for my life. I'm going to have babies like this is the, <laughs> the, the exchange. And like sugar dating seems like it's just more of like an explicit agreement to those terms. Yeah. yeah instead of like, oh, we're going to say this is disney princess like falling in love but there is an exchange happening oh yeah yeah Yeah. so are you suggesting that in in a way it could be healthier to like have that space for a relationship to be sugaring instead of like trying to give it another name and making it cute and and say it as a relationship is that what you're saying um not necessarily for every person if you are looking to relationships to be a place of financial safety, Hmm. sugaring would be probably a better way to do that than marrying someone. Getting married. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, I like that people are just being so honest about it. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a good thing. It is really a good thing. Yeah. So let's talk about religiosity and hookups. I was very interested to find out that you actually said that a person's level of religiosity did not equate to their hookup behavior. Um, I was raised in the Mormon faith. And uh, so I, I, this didn't ring true. She's out now. Oh, I'm out, out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it surprised me because I did go to a Mormon college for a year and a half. And I can tell you, people were not having sex. (laughs) People were not hooking up where I went. (laughs) Uh, What was that? They weren't soaking, maybe. I was not gonna say that, but like I was like, should I? Like I I, I still didn't hear what you said. Oh my god, Janice, um, they weren't soaking. Soaking. Oh my god. Okay, we haven't talked (laughs) about this. So soaking was it kind of came. I think it became very well known because of TikTok. Because well, see, there um, you go. I'm not. I don't. Yeah, like the Mormon colleges, they say, well, if you don't move, it doesn't ma- it doesn't count. So you'd have a guy just soaking inside someone, no moving, and you'd even have like a friend maybe jump on the bed. What? So that you weren't <laughs> doing the moving. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? Yeah. Okay, so penetrative soaking. sex is completely against the rules i don't know i i, ha- I don't know what they're saying on TikTok about so this, if, if but, they're not no. if they're not going back and forth if there's no like there is no like humping <laughs> when yeah. you're married, then that's not sex it's just like a penis into a vagina you're not you're not ha- you're not having sex it's just there 
um but this I mean, this is a great point that's like the this, argument. this is what it is <laughs> yeah like what what do what do kids define as sex right what do, well what i do, do know that for a them? long time oral sex and anal sex were things that uh, mormon students were doing and they and not considering having right. crossed that line um, that's right. so, so but i mean which is completely different from soaking i would think that that would be crossing the line but yeah. what my my point is I people weren't doing that much of this at the actual Mormon universities they might be today um, but I would just love you to tell us more about religiosity and hookups and how you discovered this and how you measured this as well yeah so um it's 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 tricky because um there is mixed research everywhere like you know i mean you'll find one research which says if you drink wine it's going to add years to your life and then immediately after that you'll have another research which says if you drink wine it's going to deduct two years of your life like which one do you believe uh we believe the one we want to believe and then we're going to use data to uh confirm that bias that we have uh, same with religion that is um does do we, we do we think that like you know religion will increase or decrease your chances of hooking up one camp of thought says it reduces because you're always proselytizing about like you know just don't 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 have sex etc so it reduces your chances and also there's something which i didn't know i learned i was an international student uh, uh in, in, in an american campus i didn't know about this thing called ministries and how uh students who are college students here if they are religious they will spend a lot of time in those ministries mm. so if you are among other people who are celibate and you're spending so much time there and you're being indoctrinated in that belief a now your mind is there and b you don't have time to hang out at a party right so like of course you're gonna have less sex so those environmental factors can affect somebody to not have sex on the other hand if you are religious right and if you do go to ministry and if you see a guy who you really like chances are you're gonna make out with him but you're not gonna call it sex so in that context maybe hooking up religiosity increases your chance of hooking up so religion is different than religiosity religion is are you christian are you hindu are you buddhist are you muslim mm -hmm. religiosity is one of the ways that they have measured it is how many times do you go to these religious what's your religious attendance right. mm -hmm. so my research shows that the people religious attendance is not related to the number of hookup partners that students have now what does that mean that means it could mean a couple of things the one major factor is they they have they have understood how to keep religion and sex aside so if you think in terms of a gay christian guy mm -hmm. the fact that he is gay is not keeping him away from being christian he has learned to coexist in the same way if you are into hooking up maybe one you can just do upper body stuff so it doesn't seem like that sinful <laughs> or you have understood that me having sex <laughs> with another person doesn't reduce the love of Jesus Christ in my life like either or m multiple things can justify this trend but yeah that my research has added to the literature that says that religion and religion or religiosity does not affect people's hookup behaviors I think it's a little different for less um, lower demand religions because in the Mormon culture if you do certain sexual things the consequences are severe and so, yeah. and I know for, uh, you know, other types of religions that don't um, expect so much from their members, sometimes there's no consequences. So yeah. um, I actually just went and looked up, um, I listened to an ex-Mormon podcast and they do have an episode from October, BYU soaking. So 
Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be listening to that, listen baby. To that. <laughs> Please honestly. give us, give us, give us the four one one after that. Like I would yeah. love to know. I just I know what wait. like. Uh, <laughs> I just know what Claire has said. Like, but um, I would love to know more. Like, you know, it's just it's it's wonderful to know these different variations of like sex, like soaking. Who would have even thought of that? Like, it's horrifying the ingenuity. <laughs> <laughs> the ingenuity. <laughs> the part that gets me is the friend who does. I was the... just going to say that. I was I'm just like... going to say this isn't just a little odd, but it's actually yeah. a group sex experience, yeah, which I doubly wouldn't have expected like, out of BYU. Can you imagine, like, being third wheel in that environment? Like, I, you're a third wheel, third wheel. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Like, what does what does God say about that person? Like, yeah. what? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, see, but now you've got three people involved, and another um, aspect of BYU culture is that um, there's a high yeah. level of surveying each other. And mm. reporting on each other. And so that's another reason why it's, it surprises me is because you're, um, you've agreed to report on students that you know engage in this type of activity. And so now, you know, you're just involving so many people who are now all going to be in a lot of trouble if yeah. <laughs> they find out. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Um, our last question is about the pandemic. Like, mm -hmm. did did isolation affect the sexual behaviors of Gen Z? I guess as things are opening up, are you seeing like a continuation of those changes maybe? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not sure exactly when during the pandemic timeline the research was done, so it might be. Yeah, oh, my research was done, my data collection was done in April 2020. <laughs> like oh my gosh i had such a panic attack because i my my book's proposal got accepted in march of 2020 oh um and i and i remember i was at a faculty meeting still in person like we're talking about the beginning of march and i'm like oh yeah. my god yay now i have approval now i can do data collection and then boom <laughs> this yeah. happened and, we're, and i'm not even talking about like politics i'm talking about really i'm talking about like sex like this requires two people to be in the same room like how yeah. am i going to get the data but what what happened was what i did was i i asked them to think about their last hookup um and and so since this data was in april they were still in-person meetings um and i also documented like I asked them to tell me when was the last hookup. Some of them really even hooked up in April 2020. Like, talk about them not getting the memo from CDC at all. Like, <laughs> it just didn't happen. Um, but, like, from my conversations, what I have realized from students is everybody, like, it's not just students. Everybody has a, has a pandemic hangover where um, we are so used to online communication. So it's almost getting, like... It's it's a new skill to look at people's whole face and like take in their nose and their mouth. Like we've forgotten how that looks like, yeah. and uh, we've forgotten how a person who stands in front of me, like gauging our personal space, has become such a weird thing right now. Um, so there is a proclivity of meeting partners online, like resorting to online means. That's one change uh, that I can see happening, or at least the first step being online and then like meeting offline becomes like a significant step forward. Are people uh, having video chats first before meeting in person? 
That's a great question. You know, I, I because have... I know millennials are still doing that. Are they? Okay. So, and, and I, I can retroactively talk about that because like the online dating acts apps have integrated like video dating a lot. So I'm, I'm assuming that, that they're understanding that that could be the first step. Um, but like I said, like there's online communication happening, like you're sending each other TikToks, like, you know, silly videos of yourself and Snapchat, you know, doing your own thing, uh, like, you know, on a daily basis. The other thing that has been a marked change, and this is from the workshop that I was talking about that I went yesterday was how, how COVID-19 has changed the way we do boundary setting, the way we practice boundary setting, that is like wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, vaccine, not a vaccine. Who am I going to, who am I going to let come into my space and who am I not going to associate? So like those boundaries, the conversation around that has become a lot elevated where hopefully you know because we've become so hyper vigilant about what we want what we don't want and this this can be anti-vax pro-vax whatever it is right like we know who we want to partner up with um could lead about condom negotiation could lead to better conversations about online sexual communication or that could just be my optimistic self-speaking we love a little bit of optimism though um and (laughs) anything that's improving communication um is a good thing Mm-hmm. I think so. Is there, I mean, is there anything else that you would like our audience to know? I mean, we have listeners from 18 to 40, but most most people are in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is there anything they should know? Ooh, everything. No. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I remember my 20 year old self to be this extremely cocky person. <laughs> who thought that I know so much more than like my my super backward like parents and my elder siblings mm-hmm. um but as I have gotten to be that older sibling <laughs> that really old millennial I I would encourage 20 year olds to practice a life hack in that keep their uh, uh keep their progressive or whatever their beliefs that they have but also be very curious about the experiences that previous generations have had and learn from it so that you know what to do so they don't what not to do instead of like shutting everybody off and thinking that we already know what we have to know you have nothing to teach us um in terms of sex in terms of how to negotiate in terms of life everything um because that's something that i have also started practicing in my life because for a long time i too was like that where i used to shut my parents off but my dad just turned 75 and I'm like, you know, like, what have you, what have you realized in your 75 years of living? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what, everything works out. And I'm like, that's Aww. such an encouraging, that's such an encouraging lesson because like we get so deep in our own stupidity and like absurdity of everyday life where whatever we are going through seems like the biggest shit that has happened in our lives. But, you know, from a 75 year old man or, or even my mom to say that things work out in due time that's like elixir to my soul. Like I want to know that. Um, so that's what I would tell the 20 year olds to, to have your beliefs, um, but to also be open and curious. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for the important research that you're doing. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing. Where would you like to direct people? And can you also give a plug for your very fascinating book? 
Yes, yeah. So my book's name is The Current Collegiate Hookup Culture. Here's a full disclosure. I'm not going to even pretend. The book is $95. Like that oh, is... Oh, damn, girl. I know, I know. And you know what? The thing is, I'll tell you a dirty secret about academic publishing. I had no say in the way the price point was done. So the, the way academic publishing works is they'll jack up the price so that libraries buy it. So uh, what I would encourage you to do is save that money but go to a library and check that book out. All right, <laughs> let's go library... to the library. <laughs> Love it. I'm actually a big library person. In fact, did you know that it's National Library Week? Oh my gosh! Yay! <laughs> so, is. like, that's that's one way that you can help me. That, like, you know, tell your library to buy the book, and then you can <laughs> check it out. Um, and I do share my research and make it accessible on my socials. So, if you can engage in my socials, that would be amazing. My handles are I am Aditi Paul on Instagram. I am Aditi Paul on Twitter, on LinkedIn. If you want to keep a professional, it's Aditi Paul PhD. <laughs> and if you want to hang with my friends and family and other awkward people on Facebook, it's Aditi.Paul. We nice. will make sure that everyone knows how to find you and engage with you. And thank we you. would love to, yeah, continue this collaboration. So thank you so much. Keep well, in thank touch. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, it was such a pleasure. And and please fill me up more on the dating app mentality and not to forget soaking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. Never forget to soak. Maybe we'll have to do our own soaking episode. I mean, <laughs> if it's as hot of a topic as you're saying, I mean, I'm going to listen to this and yeah, yeah. we'll continue the conversation oh around gosh. this disturbing new trend <laughs> from Mormondom. Thank you for listening to X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. If you liked this episode, please help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by following the show on Spotify. And if you'd like to connect more with us and learn about breakup coaching, find us on Instagram at X-Files Podcast. <laughs>